You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my friends who are much into music theater to different types of pop and rock music. And sometimes they'll introduce me to some theater music. Today we're going to be looking at John Lennon, Walls and Bridges. With me is our birthday boy, the guy who chose this album, Isaiah. Bawakawa. And as always, we have Riley. Hi. Romy. Hey. And Sarah. Hi. Walls and Bridges is the fifth studio album by English musician John Lennon, or eighth if you want to count the three like avant-garde sound albums, which I don't. It was released on September 26, 1974 under Apple Records. It was produced by John Lennon, and the genres are rock, pop rock, and blues rock. Now I'm going to read the all-music review from Stephen Thomas Irwine. Walls and Bridges was recorded during John Lennon's infamous Lost Weekend as he exiled himself in California during a separation from Yoko Ono. Lennon's personal life was scattered, so it isn't surprising that Walls and Bridges is a mess itself, containing equal amounts of brilliance and nonsense. Following between the two extremes was the bouncy Elton John duet, Whatever Gets You Through the Night, which was Lennon's first solo number one hit. Its bright, sunny surface was replicated throughout the record, particularly on middling rockers like What You Got, but also on enjoyable pop songs like Old Dirt Road. However, the best moments on Walls and Bridges come when Lennon is more open with his emotions, like on Going Down on Love, Stealing Glass, and the beautiful, soaring number 9 dream. Even with such fine moments, the album is decidedly uneven, containing too much mediocre material like Beef Jerky and Ya Ya, which are weighed down by weak melodies and heavy overproduction. It wasn't a particularly graceful way to enter retirement. And since this is another special birthday episode, I'm now going to read the uh, contemporary review from Robert Christgau. Oh. Allow me. Um, <clears throat> These songs seem more felt than those on Mind Games, particularly because they express personal pain rather than generalized optimism. Bless you, to Yoko in someone else's arms, is a real leap. But the melodies are received, the accompaniment ordinary, and the singing disoriented. What could it be like for this ex-Beatle to trade harmonies with Elton John in the inescapable knowledge that it's Elton who's doing him the favor? B minus. Hmm. So he so likes the like album, it. but at what cost? I've won, but at one cost. <laughs> yeah. All right, but what do we think as a collective? What do we think of Walls and Bridges by John Lennon? It's great. Too bad. I like it. I th- I Obviously. think it's I, I I believe I'm saying this, but I'm kind of agreeing with Chris Gow on this one. Well, it's better than Imagine for sure, at least in my eyes. Frankly, I th- I actually think Imagine is better. I think uh, mm-hmm. truth be told, I think this album is like better songwriting than Imagine. But I just I'd rather listen to that album than Walls and Bridges, particularly uh, because uh, it just it's it has better production. Like I'm not even the biggest fan of Phil Spector's production, but at least it sounds good. I'm not really a big fan of the production on this album. It sounds like a, a cheap garage rock uh, copy of 
Phil Spector's production, and that is something that is not needed. And John oh, Lennon goes um, underground. Riley just posted. I'm gonna read what Riley just wrote in the chat. What if you sneeze and then out of nowhere you hear "Bless you wherever you are, windswept child on a shooting star." No, because that always comes to mind when I listen to "Bless you." <laughs> we I'm, live in a society. I'm driving. I'm drawing a blank. What is? What are those lyrics from? It's from "Bless it's you." From oh, I mean, I didn't. I'm frankly, I I'm gonna disagree here. I, that's one of my that's one of my least favorite songs on the album. So no crap. I forgot the lyrics to it. How dare you? <laughs> Bless you is fire, and it also starts like the best five song run in the whole album. Like Bless you to Stealing Glasses. Oh, those songs are so good. Yeah, Number Nine Dream and Stealing Glass especially are like the big standouts for the album. But I said my for favorite John Lennon song. I said for Bless You, um, call me heartless, but I never got the hoopla for this one. It sounds psychotherapeutically lugubrious without the psychotherapeutics. I mean, it, it it'll drag sometimes, but I still mm. like it a lot. Oh, Sarah, since you don't know what the term psychotherapeutically lugubrious means, it originates from our friend Robert Criscow's review of John Lennon's Imagine. So it's it's all about the callbacks. It all comes full circle. Oh yeah. Psychotherapeutically means psychotherapeuticliness, I think. And, uh, Ly- Riley, you were in 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. What does lugubrious mean? Um, I forgot. I'm gonna look it up right now. <laughs> she but... forgot. <laughs> I forgot. But in the movie, uh, not the movie, but in the show, um, Barfay, who, spoiler alert, wins the Spelling Bee, he spells it out with his foot, so the production is directed by Quentin Tarantino, Mm. but lugubrious means looking or sounding sad and dismal. Mm. So, I don't know if any of you guys know this, but John Lennon is a sad and dismal man. That should be evident. I mean, he, he like, ends off the album with a song called Nobody Loves You. Yeah, definitely the closer. Yaya doesn't exist. I actually kind of like Ya Ya. I, I don't like listening to it solo, but I like listening to it in the context of the album, and I'll explain why. Little little Julian plays drums on Ya Ya. Yes, he does. And uh, like a it's a ten-, 10 or 11 year, years old. Yeah, it's a tender father-son moment. Like, it might be the only tender father-son moment we know of John and Julian, which is kind of crushing, kind of effed in a way. He didn't know it would be on the album. So when he was asked about it, he was like, if I knew it was going on the album, I would have played better. Hmm. Like, doesn't he hit the drums like twice? He he plays it throughout the song, I think. It's, but it's just like a steady like beat. But yeah. it's, I, I, I like the song in the context of the album because it, it closes off the album with John's like strained vocals. And it sounds like he's in pain and it just it just fades out. And then John Lennon just goes into retirement. He never did a single album before Doubled Fantasy. No, he just didn't. This is all to say that I do not like the rock and roll cover album he did. It just Yaya is also on rock and roll, I think. Yeah. So maybe it was like is a, that version better? Maybe it, it, technically, but I'm never going to listen to it again. But you know I've what? I've only heard. You um, know what? Yaya also counts as like me. a Marvel Cinematic Universe post-credit scene. <laughs> like, stay tuned for my next album, which is about rock and roll covers. You know, it's gonna be great. And then he'll retire for five years for family time. I'm gonna paraphrase The Simpsons. I think this is a paraphrase. Back in my day, movies ended when they ended. The only reason you stayed during the credits was to see who sang The Power of Love, and it was usually Huey Lewis. It's always Huey Lewis. What are you talking about? Always has been. It's all Huey Lewis. Always has been. All songs ever 
or by Huey what Lewis. If, what if every album, not every album, but what if every album had a post credit scene with Samuel L. Jackson talking about the next He wants to put album. together a team. <laughs> oh my god. It's Imagine called the Traveling Wilburys. Guys, guys, hear me out. What if the Chicago soundtrack ended with the singular scene of Ant-Man buying nachos or Wanda doing anything? What it's if- called the Wilbury Initiative. What if something ended with Samuel Jackson, just an album, and Samuel Jackson comes out of nowhere and says, Join in next week when we cover the entirety of Amphibia. <laughs> join in oh, next week. Oh, wait, no, this is better. No, wait, no, join in next Even week. Even better. End of Morbius, post credit scene, Samuel Jackson pops up out of the screen and says, Join us next time when we discuss Morbius 2. Let there be more BS. Two more to BS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, even better, like, the post-credits for this uh, episode are going to be, next week, Andrew is going to be forced to listen to the entirety of Blackpink's discography. Yeah! <laughs> Don't they have, like, one album? Okay, hear me out. We need an entire bonus episode of us discussing Blackpink's entire discography. That would be the final episode. Be- 100th episode of Rock of Ages. <laughs> it's going to be, like, two hours long. <laughs> Riley, you need to watch Amphibia. You have to because Blackpink's in it. Yeah, I have to. I'm gonna finish the Owl House tonight. Are they actually? Yep. And I actually hypothesized there was they they used a Blackpink song in season three, and they used a Bill Withers Lean on Me in season one. And for some reason, I hypothesized that they would use I've Seen All Good People in season two. Did they? They didn't. They didn't use any public domain song. Wait a minute. Yes, isn't even public domain yet. 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 But Winnie the Pooh's in the public domain and they're making a horror movie about him. Yeah. I hate that yeah. so I'll, No, what are you talking about? I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna love it because it's gonna be it's, so it's gonna it be so, so stupid. It's gonna be so hammy, and I'm gonna love the heck out of what they're gonna do. Just with wait it. until Mickey Mouse goes in the public domain and they make a horror movie out of him. They do a cover of the Funhouse album with Mickey Mouse vocals. Oh god. They'll call it Mickey Mouse <laughs> yeah. Funhouse. <laughs> but they literally cover all of Funhouse. I thought Winnie the Pooh horror movie is gonna be the Morbius of horror movies. Hell yeah, Winnie the Pooh horror sweep, baby. I feel like Willy's Wonderland is already the Morbius of horror movies. I forgot that movie existed. It's about Nicolas Cage playing like a, a drifter who has to watch like a Five Nights at Freddy's themed restaurant. <laughs> It's weird, man. Wait, I think we were discussing a Nicolas Cage movie when we were in school. Hang on. I gotta find this. Yeah. What movie was it? Oh, crap. Was it The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? No, it wasn't that. It was, like, from a year ago. I gotta find it. Hang on. Also, uh, Old Dirt Road was uh, co-written by John Lennon and uh, Harry Nilsson, who I do hope we'll get to soon on the podcast. Uh, Nilsson, yeah, I, I think, is I think is one of the more underrated singer-songwriters to come out of the early 1970s. Uh, I do have one of his albums I on the wheeled. It. It's called Nilsson Schmilson, and I'm also hoping to look at The Point, <laughs> which is like a concept album from a year prior about a guy who decides not to wear a pointed hat on his head or something. I I don't know. John C. Riley narrated it one time. I found it, you guys. It's called Willy's Wonderland. This is what. This is what <laughs> That's what I like, what I just I was talking about. <laughs> I didn't know the name. We were talking about this movie at school. Anyway, R- Romy, uh, you were gonna say something. Yeah, I'm still sore that I didn't get to see um, John C. Riley narrate a live performance of The Point. 
like the the guy that did it, who is um, Harry Nilsson's son Kifo, he intends on doing a tour of it, and uh, I doubt that John will be part of the tour. But uh, let's just wait and see. Well, if uh, the uh, Nilsson Schmilson Point tour ever comes to my area, I'll be sure to check her out. <laughs> Another thing I don't like about this album is its constant use of bongos. Constant? Constant. Yeah, at least it's not steel drums. I would argue it's just as bad. I feel like like he would have preferred it if it was a steel drum. Probably. Every song had a trombone solo. I would prefer it if Jimmy Buffett was singing. I don't know. I feel like the only time the bongos are ever like super prominent is on Going Down on Love. Uh, Because they're like right in front of your face. I have, I have, like, I can look at these songs and I can tell you how, where the bongos are. They're in Going Down on Love, they're on What You Got, they're on Stealing Glass, I mean, they're not, the bongos aren't too loud in the mix, but they're just loud enough to make you think that the bongos are, like, a, a main component in the song. And they should and they shouldn't be. Bongos should not be the main component of any song, unless you're, like, in a bongo band, in which, why are you in a bongo band? <laughs> who hates bongos i mean i don't hate bongos i mean i love bongo cat but i don't think we should pay like 20 dollars to see a bongo band with this information can i predict that you do not like you're going to lose that girl off of the help soundtrack well you're gonna lose that girl's a classic song and these songs this is very true these songs are just like songs they're not classics apparently i would pay 20 dollars to see bongo cat I would pay $120 to see Bongo Cat. I would pay, I would give my soul to see Bongo Cat. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm going to trace back to what um, you said about, like, the bongo, like, would have been better with steel drums. I think every song would have been better if there was an impromptu trombone solo in the middle of each song. Yeah. Instead of uh, the string crescendo and stealing glass, it, just, it should just be a, one trombone ascending notes. Yep. <laughs> Also, stealing glass is kind of like just like a uh, cut and paste of how do you sleep, right, guys? It should sound familiar. It's how do you sleep too? The could be better song. How do you sleep Don't too? Let there be. Let there be. How do you sleep? But it's I, a self roast. Like I said, song. though, I do like the song. I would actually. I actually wouldn't really call it a self roast. I actually think it was directed more towards uh, Alan Klein, a man. Alan Klein, the manager who is said to be like one of the I think the factors that it's broke more up the Beatles. To say it's a self roast. Uh, mostly because of how harsh the "your mother left you" line is. That it, I feel uh, like John would definitely say that to himself. I mean, and do, then how do, he does not want to be born. Do keep in mind that uh, in "How Do You Sleep," uh, John said to Paul, "Jump when your mama tell you anything." And as we all know, That's Paul so McCartney slept, you know, when he had a dream, and his mother came to him and he said, "Let it be." So, Can we guess what other song on this album came to someone in a dream? Um, beef jerky. Yeah, you're right. And honestly, I think that's a dope instrumental. I, I think Stephen reminds us. It's it's crap. not bad. Yeah, it works. For as, a song called "Beef Jerky," I would say it was the weakest on the album, but no. I would still say that uh, "Bless You" is the weakest off the album, even though "Ya Ya" is the weakest off the album. Boo, boo, hell, ratio. 
<laughs> Meet me at the dentist tomorrow and you can take my wallet. I don't have Cade's drive to argue with you. I'll just agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I have my phone right here. I'll provide all the sound effects. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I said for number nine dream, uh, no way Johnny Boy is able to remember the ninth dream he's ever had. What a genius. Insert Revolution 9 joke here. Revolution number nine is a banger. Only the ninth revolution to ever exist. And yeah, Revolution 9 bangs. Like, I mean... It's so good in the context of the White Album. Hell, I'll listen to it by itself if I'm in, if I'm in the mood. I don't even care. Me too. It's like, it's a great example <laughs> of the avant-garde music concrete that was that happening at the time that was like edgar varese and carl heinz stockhausen two like electronic composers who i i'm not going to say i recommend because their music is very like george harrison electric sound but they're still influential in, in terms of electronic music the reversed piano on that song unironically i love so much oh yeah that was actually sampled off of schumann's uh, symphonic study so that means it's classical oh, nice. and therefore you must hate it now yeah boo classical music but for i mean to be honest though schumann is like he's fire he's mentally ill but he's fire just what like john lennon schumann? what if every oh, johnny boy what if every Schumann um, composition had a trombone solo in it? <laughs> he did, like, compose, like, a, a concert piece for orchestra and four trombones. Very nice. Wait, I think so. Like, I'm just going to look this up. Uh, see if it's right. Schumann concert stuck. Okay, concert piece for four horns in orchestra. But you can easily replace those with trombones, I think. I'm going to flip-flop and do it. I'm going to replace the horns, the trombones next time uh, Schumann's uh, concert piece is played. I'm going to do it. Insert 76 trombones from the music man. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Clara Schumann's probably rolling in her grave right now. I can't decide whether I should play this or not, but I think I'm... Oh, should I do it? Depends on what it is. Just do it. <laughs> that, that should have been Yaya. Uh, just replace the eye with that. Personally, I think post that is, Beatles John Lennon. That's his song. Personally, I think that is Schumann's most important composition. <laughs> I did a report on Clara Schumann when I was in seventh grade. I mean, she's wait, a she's a girl idea. boss, but she's also a gatekeeper. Yeah. Uh, wait, I have an idea. Replace the entirety of Yaya with the Price Is Right loser horn chime. Oh my god, I have, I'm gonna get that. Hang on. Uh, what does everyone think of the sound effects that are of the wolf that is played at the beginning of Scared? I didn't like it. I don't know. I I liked the song, but I didn't like the sound effects. <laughs> Did John Lennon start sample culture? Oh God! I mean, Revolution Nine indirectly is, Revolution Nine uses a lot of teeth. samples, so maybe. That's true. For a second, uh, I thought you said cancel culture, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. John Lennon is maybe like a John was the one who was howling. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but John Lennon kind of is like a heavy subject for cancel culturists today. But anyway, Maybe Sarah doesn't like animals in songs. First, it was Steven Tyler's frog, and now it's John it just Lennon's. Sounds wolf. like a frog. <laughs> Would you like it if it was if there was a capybara in a song? Yes, I love capybaras. Do they even make noises? I mean, they're mammals. I'm they should make noises. If you're, do you know that capybara? Capybara is one of the words that are used in 20th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Well, of course, capybaras are beloved. They are. But anyway, um, here's my idea. Just replace Yaya with this. I swear to God. 
I am literally. Cripple <laughs> <laughs> Creek Fairy! Damn it! Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> and now you know the other big uh, running joke in the podcast, Sarah. Yellow Silverine? Yaya is. Yeah, yeah. Yellow Silverine, yeah. I'm now gonna point Yaya you guys. Yaya is the Cripple Creek fairy of John Lennon's discography. <laughs> hang on, hang on. What is the LA Blues of the John Lennon discography? Revolution 9. But that's not in his solo stuff. Well, any track from whatever the hell his first, like, three albums are. Unfinished Music number one, Unfinished Un- Music number two, and Wedding Album. Oh, Andrew, I have one question. What would you consider the Cripple Creek Fairy of classical music? Oh, that's a good idea. I will think on this. But first, I want to talk about uh, the two Elton John songs on this album, which, by the way, are fire. No one wants to talk about whatever Sorry, gets you, you through the out. night and surprise, surprise. Oh, yes, yes. Elton John, very cool guest star Yeah. on whatever gets you through the night. Which yep. I was not aware of for like the longest time. Oh, really? You know, I nah. mentioned this in Young Americans. Uh, Elton John, he was on Whatever Gets You Through the Night. And that's, people say that's what got John Lennon his first number one hit. And then John Lennon decided to use this num- this power that he's got with reaching like number one on the pop charts. And he collaborated with Bowie with uh, Fame. And, and then Fame went to number one on the pop charts. <laughs> to quote Jackson, well, he's good for something. That's so harsh. Mm-hmm. Happy borrows make cute noises. Um, I 100% say that if it was capybara noises instead of wolf noises, I would have loved the song even more. What's the? I'm on the video right now. Where's the timestamp? It's just it just you gotta turn it up and it just kind of just. It's like a rattle thing. It it is, but it's it's really really cute. Hmm. What if our post credit scene was just like what the capybara sounds like? I can I can literally hear it. It kind of sounds like monkeys. Too, but they're so cute. Oh, I can hear it. Yeah, magic of capybaras. You can just hear them. <laughs> we are not ab- obligated to put a capybara on the thumbnail. <laughs> yes. A capybara, bongo cat, Morbius. Where's the <laughs> end? <laughs> Is Morbius the new Ringo? And no. And Ringo. He cannot be replaced. I mean, Ringo. Ringo doing holding it to us. a capybara. Ringo, Ringo holding a capybara. Ringo Starr doing it to us is omnipotent. It can <laughs> be created. It cannot be destroyed. I'm still thinking on what the Cripple Creek Fairy of classical music is. <laughs> oh, you know what we should have in like the channels? We should have a channel of all of our running gags. Oh yeah, that can also that could also qualify for like the lore or whatever. Uh, for that and my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to read off some wholesome things of what the three other Beatles thought of this album. Mm. George Harrison, which I believe him and John never really like became friends again after the breakup. He says it was a lovely album. Very nice. Very nice. I mean, th- I mean, that was the same guy who said, David Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> David Bowie. Um, what did Ringo say? Ringo said it was the finest album in the last five years done by anyone. I have to disagree. This is what, 1974? Okay, yeah, big disagree on that. I mean, I mean... Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> freaking all things must pass. He was on that album. <laughs> Literally. 
And Phil Collins. <laughs> I, not really, though. We'll oh, get to that. We'll get, we'll to, get that to that when we get to all things must pass in 2024. And then Paul being Paul, he says, it was a great record, but I know he can do better. <laughs> McCartney, he said, I am the walrus is an example of how Lennon can be more adventurous and more exciting. I, I actually will <laughs> give Paul that. This album is not adventurous or exciting to me. <laughs> Paul is Paul something else. I love that man. I have, to, I have to give Paul credit. I do. I I like this album, but I just ultimately I will go to more artistic and experimental things like happening at the time, like Yes and Genesis and Bowie. How could Paul say that after he made McCartney one? I know Paul can do better after McCartney one. <laughs> oh, but this is after Band on the Run too. Okay, never mind. So he did better. He learned from his mistakes. Yeah. Also, wait, hold on. There's a riff in, I think it's Beef Jerky. That sounds oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, like, let me, the roll, let me it. roll it. Riff. Yeah, that's Let Me Roll It. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think John was like, John was actually a huge fan of Band on the Run as an album. Yeah, he was. He was lukewarm towards the wings in general, but he liked, but he likes Band on the Run. Love me some Venus and Mars. That's a great record. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Rock Show. That's a, that's a banger of a song. Yeah. I'm reading this right now. I'm on the Wikipedia article, and it says, uh, when discussing the recording of the album, in an interview following the following year with Pete Hamill and Rolling Stone, Lennon recalled, Elton sort of popped in on those sessions for Walls and Bridges and sort of zapped in and played the piano and ended up singing Whatever Gets You Through the Night with me, which was a great shot in the arm. I've done three quarters of it. Now what do we do? Should we put a camel on it or a xylophone? That sort of thing. And he came in and said, hey, I'll play some piano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Oba de Oba all over again. You know, uh, John was inspired to write whatever gets you through the night, like when he was like, it was like late at night and he was like watching a preacher and one of the things the preacher said was, whatever gets you through the night. And John said, ooh, I'm going to use that for a song title. (laughs) We completely brushed over the whole Lost Weekend mythos. Um... Kind of, but it should be noted that uh, John was getting tired of living with Yoko because she was Yoko and she was also like, she couldn't have any children, like no matter how many times they tried. So we just, they just like left each other amicably. But John being John, he had no idea what to do with his life. And so he just went to Los Angeles and wasted away. He he actually joined this drinking club called the Hollywood Vampires led by his friend Alice Cooper. And their mission statement was to, like, cause as much drunk mayhem as possible. Other notable members of that uh, group included uh, Harry Nilsson, Keith Moon, and Keith Emerson. Let's go. Emerson, like, all the represent. This album would be so much better if Emerson was on it. That would be much more Pac-Man. Yeah, but... And Chris Gowan hated me more. True, true. But, um... If Tokata was on this album... I don't I don't think John Lennon would have liked uh, the ELP stuff, honestly. It's just... It's too bleepy for him. He's a rock and roll guy. <laughs> Although, he did give his praise to Selling England by the Pound of All Albums. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. I'm gonna read you guys some other members of uh, the Hollywood Vampires. Uh, Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees. Um... Ringo Starr. Whoa. Uh, Brian Wilson. Oh, God. John Belushi. How? Mark Bolan of T-Rex. Uh, Mal Evans, the famous roadie for the Beatles. Uh, Klaus Vormann, the famous bassist from Germany that the Beatles were all good uh, friends of. And who designed the artwork for Revolver. Um, Bernie Taupin, Elton John's uh, writer. And uh, Iggy. 
As in Iggy Pop? As in Iggy Pop, yes. But then again, it does It does say, it says here that although Brian Wilson and Iggy Pop often fraternized with members of the club, it remains unclear if they were fo- formally inducted. Um, I'm going to say they are because Iggy Pop. We don't talk about Brian Wilson. Perhaps we should talk about Brian Wilson, the misunderstood genius. Surf's Up When? I kind of want to listen to that album. Yeah, I've heard really good things about Surf Stuff, to be honest. I'm actually thinking of replacing one of the Beach Boys albums on the wheel with that one. That album, the album I'm talking about in question, is uh, very topical. It's called 2020. Whoa. And it was they released in 1969. I can't believe the Beach Boys predicted 2020, guys. This is amazing. <laughs> what in the Simpsons? <laughs> to recap, guys, for as much as I uh, said my poison for this album, I do technically do like it. I just, I wish there was more to this than cheap production and bongos. <laughs> you need to get over the bongos, man. I'm never going to get over the bongos, man. <laughs> That's going in the quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the Hollywood Vampires is a supergroup founded by uh, Alice Cooper, Joe Perry of Aerosmith, and Johnny Depp. Oh, what? And there's also um, a guy named Tommy Henriksen, who's worked with artists such as Lady Gaga, Meatloaf, and Lou Reed, and Kesha. Meatloaf? Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. No. The, the song from Roger Rules, the yeah, the best sequel of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone's favorite song. Mm-hmm. Oh. Aside from it's the exploded diaper, it's everyone's favorite song. Yeah, exploded diaper is <laughs> is the peak of music, guys. I mean, it's a queer rip off of Goofy Goober Rock, but <laughs> that is also one of the best songs ever written. So it's a pass. It gets a pass. Also, it took me a while to realize that the album cover was like a collage of drawings that John Lennon drew when he was like 11 years old. I like the album art. I really want it on vinyl and yeah. play with the little flaps. Yeah. Is, I, it on, is that on every copy or is it just like on... I have no idea pressings? because when I first bought that copy, it, it, was, it was like a first edition. It had the flaps. Mm. It was actually one of the first albums I ever got at my uh, local record store, which is why I kind of hold it dear to me. Although one of nice. my first memories of Walls and Bridges was like I was the record was on like steel and glass, and then my mom came in and she accidentally spilled like champagne on the record. Oof. We fixed it, don't worry. But uh, <laughs> that just that's that's what my mind goes to whenever I think of Walls and Bridges. I think of bongos and the time when my mom threw the champagne on the album by accident. Now bongos have to be on the thumbnail. Bongos better be in the next album we do. They should. Unrelated, but also somewhat related to the champagne story. My copy of Weezer's Blue album already has ringwear, which makes no sense because I got that album like last year. I don't know how it already has ringwear. It's like more. I got it at Walmart. Then that then Walmart? that probably explains it. It's a you got a Walmart. <laughs> they have albums at Walmart. They, they have, have albums at Best Buy. You've never, that you've never been to the vinyl section at a Walmart. No, 
But every like Target, Walmart, every like big grocery store, I feel has a even Best Buy has a vinyl, vinyl thing. Yeah. My Best Buy doesn't have basically have vinyl, and neither does any do any of the WalMarts in my area. Dang. But hey, I looked for the Squishmallow section at Walmart. I didn't know there was a vinyl section there. It's like in the electronics area. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also the same way with Target. Um, yeah. They don't really. A lot of the time, they don't really have good like a good variety, but uh, sometimes but you'll find. I found it's 50 Second Street at Walmart, and I love that album to death. You also oh. found Blue Album by Weezer. Yeah. It all depends on which Targets or Walmarts you go to, because some of them, uh, like, what they have depends on uh, what's in the store. You know, the, the Target, my local Target, it has like, a fine selection of albums, but the treatment of the albums is, like, sacrilegious. Like, they're, like, lying on it, lying face down, and they're, like... Scattered all everywhere. It's like a messy room. It's the messy room of Target. It's horrible. I personally consider Walmart to be more unkempt than Target. Target's like True. I feel Target's kind of kind of tidier than. Well, Walmart's stuff. like a freaking. Walmart's like a freaking warehouse compared to Target. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, and, they and do not Costco. have any. Costco, like Costco is also Costco is also like a big uh, warehouse store. Yeah. Also, I'm looking up, um, I looked up the Blue Album by Weezer. It came out the day before my birthday. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, the moral of the story is do all your shopping at Walmart. Oh, no, God, no. No, (laughs) it's coming back to me. Also, can I just say? Insert cash or select payment type. Use pin pad to complete transaction. Transaction. That's like everywhere. Uh, is that Target? Because there's no Targets you, in my area. You just put me in a nostalgic trance, Riles. That's like everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. It could just become a meme. Okay, let's uh, just uh, let's go around the room. Uh, Isaiah, birthday boy, you go first. Um, I know I chose this for like my birthday album, and I do believe this is one of my comfort albums, but it is not one of my like favorite albums of all time anyway. So... I'll have to give it a lower rating than usual. I think we'll give it like an 8.9, which is still quite high, but... Whoa, that's so low. Lower than Remain in Light. Yeah, so yeah, 8.9. Riley, uh, thankfully, Jackson or Kay aren't here to influence your rating on the album, so uh, you can be upfront with it. All right, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Yo. Also, what would you have given Imagine had Jackson and Kay not interfered with your score? Because I, w- I want to update that so we can get Imagine higher, you know? Alright, um, I would have given like a 7 to Imagine. Alright, I will update that. This is how we win! This is what I'm talking about, baby. This is how we win this game we have. <laughs> Also, uh, would you recommend this album or at least select songs to theater kids? Um, I don't really know, honestly. Hmm. Just Number have... nine dream for me, definitely. Yeah, I also think they would dig uh, uh, Steel and Glass and uh, Nobody Loves You. Surprise, surprise, maybe. Yeah. Romy? Uh, I'd give it a 7.5 as well. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Sarah? Um, I give it an eight. I, I really liked it. Um, besides the wolf noises, I think it was uh, a pretty good album. Mm-hmm. Sarah, when she's camping and she hears wolves in the background, take me back to the city. <laughs> Where are the capybaras at? <laughs> so yeah, I'm. 
I think I'm actually going to have to give this album a two because the album has no reasons to be no. 12 songs long. Also, the Frozen soundtrack has more plays than this on Spotify. Therefore, this album is stupid, bad, dumb, irrelevant, bad, dumb, and bad. And I will block anyone and yell at them if they like it. And nitpicking and biased. Bye-bye. Full ratio. Be so <laughs> ratio much... fail. I have a reaction photo of, like, the ratio failed of, like, an L ratio. I'm gonna send that. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. This is, like, viral on Twitter. I don't know where I found it, but it was I, I now have birthday money, so I will be looking for walls and bridges on the final. Mm. Depending on the price, I will not disclose how much I paid for it. <laughs> ratio failed. <laughs> Cyber chase. <laughs> it's one of my favorite on Twitter. Wait, the, why the, is it Cyberchase? I have no clue. The dead, Cyberchase. Like the dead eyes on the the girl and the boy on the left are just sending me. <laughs> it's my favorite. Cyberchase was such an enigma when I was younger. Like I never sat down to watch it, but it was it would always come on as soon as I'm like stop watching TV. When I was ten, I was like very interested in the concept of Cyberchase, but I never got around to watching it for some reason, which is pretty sad. It's one of my comfort shows, and I know all the lore to it i will tell you guys all the lore but that's is it still is it still running because i remember (laughs) in middle school i'd watch the odd ones out and he said that it was still running it is surprising oh my god wow are they they on like advanced like college course math Join us next week when, for when we do like the bonus episode of this Riley here explaining the cyber chase lore for us. Let's go. <laughs> um, like I said, I, I don't think this is a bad album, but I'm just not a big fan of the production. And some songs are pretty hit or miss, like Bless You and Yaya. Ya. And going down on Love, I'm actually also not that big of a fan of, especially with the like bongo action, like booga 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 booga. booga. So many bongos on this album, I swear. I also feel like stuff Would like it be better. I feel like stuff like what you, you got is like uh, it was like being forced to rock. It wasn't it wasn't like genuine rock and roll. But overall, I would say that the songs on this album are well written, especially like Number Nine Dream Stealing Glass, Nobody Loves You. Uh, I think I like the latter side more than I do the the uh, former side. But at the same time, I don't really know how much I'll be going back to this album. You know, I'd give it a 7.5, but I give Can't Buy a Thrill a 7.5. I think, a, I think I'll give it like a 7.6, then give Can't Buy a Thrill a 7.7. <laughs> like, compare this to Can't Buy a Thrill. I would listen to Can't Buy a Thrill like infinite more times than this, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. I, I would recommend select songs to theater kids, but not like the whole album. Just no. And also, uh, we should probably talk about how John Lennon's uh, Lost Weekend ended, because it actually, it kind of is pretty sad. Um, so, John Lennon, he was getting his life back on track, he was like, he made two successful solo albums, he decided, hey, I'm gonna reconnect with my ex-wife and my son, and as, like, the last song on this album proved, he, he did, like, he did at least have, make an attempt to bond with his, uh, son. With the help of his, uh, like, his girlfriend at the time, Mei Peng, who I'm, I wish I mentioned earlier in this, uh, episode because she is fire. But, uh, like, but then, like, in early 1975, Yoko just out of nowhere called John and said, Hey, I want you to come back with me. And, like, without any second thoughts, John bolted on, like, this new life that he was gonna remake for himself so he could try once again to have a child with Yoko. And, yes, they, they did have a child in Sean, but he supports NFTs, so... Uh! 
Boo. So I Rolling feel, muffin. Boo. I feel really bad for John in this situation. Like, he wanted to be like, he wanted to reclaim his this relationship he had with his ex-wife and his son. But then Yoko just took it away from him. I would not, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy who says Yoko broke up the Beatles because there are many factors that contributed to it. It was not solely her, but I will say that it was like, I think Yoko is more the villain in th this situation than John is, you know? It's only downhill from here. Yeah. And like five years later, he decides to reinvent himself, decides to like, you know, maybe... Restart his life, restart his friendships, his relationships with other people. Once you know it, just as he starts to do that, he's shot dead. Mm. So yes, I, I do not con I don't consider John Lennon's death to be like a like a punching bag or a running gag because like that's just horrible. I feel this really. This is why bad. we spin plastic Ono band on his birthday. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in short, I think this is a good album. Almost great, but uh, I don't know. Too many bongos. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, time to spin the wheel. And remember, if we look at a concert album or a rock opera, we have to look at a theater album for episode 82. Uh, it's funny, like, every. It's like. The, the higher the numbers go, I forget which number we're on. <laughs> it's very dementia, you know? And the next album we'll be looking at is ZZ Top Fandango. Oh. Oh. ZZ Top? Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Trace Ombre situation. Let's commence. All right. Maybe I'll be on this episode. I thought I could hear.